here we are back again another episode of the end product podcast as usual i have my sparring partner quinny alongside and we have another super sub for a very special 30 second episode tony watt squad number he can't be with us this week but substituting in we have chani welcome to the podcast chani how are you doing what's up guys Uh, i've been a long time listener now finally part of it I sadly can't mimic Tony. I don't have the Scottish accent. <laughs> I don't even want to try. <laughs> I think we'll have to turn the podcast off immediately if I start doing that. <laughs> don't want to get you in any trouble. But to be honest with you, it's quite nice to balance it out. We've always had a bit. We've got a bit too many Scots on the podcast of late. We're like, we had to balance it out. Yeah. yeah. So, Quinny for uh, recognizing we had to diversify the accent uh, talent pool a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's good to have you. Have you been uh, enjoying your game weeks uh, throughout the World Cup? You had much success. Any any pickups? Any it's, end been, it's, been, it's been somewhat all right. It's been better than I thought it would have been because uh, I thought we needed an under-23 rare goalkeeper and it's like the main thing I focus on. And uh, they took that away so I could use a common and then all of a sudden I had lineups to put in. So uh, it's been really nice especially watching them play for the national teams, seeing them in like maybe at times different roles as well and uh, having a little bit more responsibility on the pitch. It was really nice to see because I think when you see your players play for uh, during the World Cup and they're doing well on the biggest stage, it gives you a little bit of faith moving forward as well. Um, if, if they get like a move to a big team, for example, Guardiol, like I bought him early before the World Cup even started. And then obviously he has shown absolute class apart from maybe yesterday, but it's messy, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, he probably would have done that to any defender out there. Yeah. I think Guardiola did well. He just needed help there. Someone needed to come in and double Messi. Uh, big mistake from the defense. Anyways, um, it was really nice to see him do that uh, and perform really well. And I think Croatia is probably going to go ahead and do really well in the third place game as well. And then if he moves to a team in the Prem, I have faith in him because I've seen him now on the biggest stage. So that's something I've taken out of the uh, World Cup so far. I've been able to watch some of my players perform on the biggest stage. It's been nice. Has your, your guys' period been with the uh, Global Cup and all that stuff? Mine quite similar to you there. You've pretty much answered exactly how I would. And Guardio was one of my holds as well. So <laughs> we'll let Quinny jump in. Volga Guardio. He has him as well. Volga Guardio. Tom Guardio over here. Yeah, it's been non-existent for me. But... With the links, like, uh, that he has been getting to the Prem, like, I've been quite excited about the left-back ones, you know, because, like, he does have left-back in him, you know. But um, <clears throat> what I was going to say, when I seen the messy thing, when when Guardiola got ripped off of him, I don't know what it was, but something went off in my head. And I was like, imagine when Guardiola's, like, 40, if he has a career, like, I don't know, like a Ramos or a Thiago Silva or something like that, he'll, he'll talk about that. Like, oh, I was a wee 19-year-old kid, my first World Cup, and Messi ripped me a new one, and mm. blah, 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 because... Yeah, he's been a great, so great in this tournament and everyone's got huge opinions on Guardiola and how good his career could be. And because the next team he goes to is only going to be like a top 10 world club, you know, surely he's probably going to be on that path. So like, I think yeah. um, even though it is a ripping, like that's a, it's probably not too bad an experience for him overall, you know, because uh, to, to beat the best, you got or to be the best, you got to beat the best and all that good gravy, isn't it, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's it, no defender out there that can go out and say, I would have done better because there's clips yeah. of Messi destroying every single defender out there, right? So it doesn't, you can't say anything. You'll just be like, it's Messi, it's fine. <laughs> it happens to everyone. Completely. Yeah. And also Messi was just edging him closer and closer to the box. He must have been aware that, you know, one wrong foot penalty. Yeah. So 
he had to push him to the byline and somehow he just wriggled his way all the way through. And, you know, like we say, it's messy. And yeah, when he's that close to the edge of the box, you've you got to be so careful. And I don't, I don't think he made any mistake there. I just think that the level that Messi was, you know, his ball control and his, his awareness of where he is on the pitch, there's not only another player on the planet who might have made that look as easy as it actually was. So, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think I think Vardy will be just fine. And um, I'm sure he'll blossom into a top talent. He's already looking a top talent as it is, but, you know, such as the... Uh, fashionable signing at the moment, the left-footed centre-back, but especially one who can also be utilised as a left-back. There's not a large club in the world that wouldn't want that player in their squad right now, yeah. I don't think. So be very surprised to see him um, finish the season at, uh, at RB. So, yeah. But like you said, the, the problem we always have often with young players in U23 especially is you don't really want them to move to a big club and become mm. like that rotation. But he looks given his performances at the World Cup, like he's ready to take that step up. So yeah. fingers crossed for all holders out there that if he does make that move, he can find himself straight into a starting lineup or or as close to being one of those regular starters for a big club. Um, and having an under-23 who makes that step up, I think we've heard it on many podcasts talking about Vinny Jr. and like that kind of safety that he brings of, of Vinicius Jr., who is playing every week at Real Madrid is unlikely to make a move that puts him as as, as like a squad player, um, and hopefully Guardiol can become that as well. Because I find that quite a lot, especially when you've got challenger U twenty threes, they make a move to like a champ club, yeah. and you're like, oh, you just have to sit on the bench and wait, and yeah, fifty percent maybe, maybe die somewhere, and oh, that's quite stressful. <laughs> Happens quite yeah. a lot as well. I think we've all kind of enjoyed that aspect of the World Cup as well as seeing like the so rare wonder kids shine, you know, like Guardiola, of course, that we're talking about, but also like Enzo, Spider-Man, yes. Gakpo <laughs> in the group stages, you know, there was yep. a lot of there was a lot of so rare kind of heroes showing up in this World Cup, even the, the whole Japan team, every one of us know them all, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Korea, you know, so like, I Sadly think a lot for of... me so- as a German. I was just going to say that. <laughs> so I, I definitely think that's given another angle on the World Cup for all of us, you know, as yeah. we actually like proper know like a lot of these guys that are breaking through. Definitely. Yeah, it's been, it has been fun in that aspect. Um, so we're moving into the final couple of games now, you know, the we've got the, the France-Morocco um, semi tonight and then we have the third and fourth place playoff, which will obviously be the loser versus Croatia. And then the final... Um, where where do you guys sit with like your kind of fight? What are you expecting from the final? Do you see do you see um, either Morocco or France beating Argentina, or do you, do you fancy Argentina to to win? Do you fancy France to get through and win, or maybe do you ex- who's looking for that upset from Morocco? I think Morocco has too many suspensions slash injuries going into this France game, which really sucks because they put in really good performances so far. Would have been an amazing story to see them in the final. But I think this is the last last game for them. Uh, I mean, obviously, they have the third place game then if they fail today. Um, but one thing that I've seen with Argentina that I haven't seen with many other teams so far has been that their manager has been willing to readjust and like change formation, change players, actually give play time to the ones that have performed. And like at the start, we didn't have Julian Alvarez at the top. We had Lautaro Martinez. Enzo mm. wasn't playing. They had someone else in there. The guy from Betis, I believe, even got a game. So 
I, I've seen the Argentina manager make big decisions and it pay off for him. I, I feel like Argentina is in the prime position to get it done. Uh, but overall, I would say France, with a couple of individual moments, could easily get it done too. I mean, you can't underestimate that squad. Uh, there, there are so many incredible talents and top, top players in there, especially defensively, I feel like. Um, if they don't necessarily just run forward like Theo does a lot of times, <laughs> and if they don't be too rushed, uh, too, like not rushing into tackles and stuff like that uh, in the final and just take their time a little bit more and play the possession game, I think France could do really well against Argentina. It's basically a coin toss between the two in the final, I think. Um, it will come down to individual brilliance. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I still think France slightly edge it just mm. overall, but, you know... If Messi, Messi was amazing yesterday. He's, he he was unreal. Like I was saying to my friends, like since the Netherlands game, he looks like he's playing with a bit of fire in his belly. Yeah. Like he's got a nasty side to him that we haven't really seen. We don't see it as often, or if we do do see it, it's kind of like talked down because I think like play in the whole Messi versus Ronaldo conversation, it's always like Ronaldo's a dick, or like I don't like Ronaldo, he's arrogant, or mm. and I think like Messi's definitely shown a bit of that in this World Cup, particularly in the Netherlands game where things did get a little bit heated. You know, he spent a little bit of time on the floor, was probably lucky not to get uh, a second book in as well. And yeah. it was, you know, like the taunting of the players at the end of the game, he was involved in that as well. And it's like, wow, like Messi, it, it just looks, this just looks like a different Messi. And yeah, a there was definitely a few moments in like towards the end of the first half I think where he kind of like rode a few quite hefty challenges and then the next time he got the ball, he kind of mocked the other player a little bit with a touch or, you know, a slight wrestle off the ball, move into space, make a nice pass, just do the business. But he was throwing his weight around a little bit. And I think some of the commentators even picked up on it. it was just like, you know, he yeah, he's throwing his weight around a little bit, but he he just kicked up a gear. That sec the beginning of the second half to do what he did and there's he just looks he he looks ready he's ready for war and going into that final whoever he's up against i think he's going to be up for it you know he's been he's been to the final before this will cement him you know that all those arguments messi versus ronaldo i, I think if he wins the world cup Done. there's not there's not really going to be that much of an argument against him being the better of the two and i think he knows that and it looks like He's get he's edging. I think he he wants it. He looks like he wants it. You know, not and just him though. Like the entire team wants him yeah. to get it done. The entire yeah, stadium sings his name every single game. They they chase everyone down. They put in their tackles. If anyone even comes close to Messi, they're just all going at it. It's just <laughs> like it's like we need this to happen. I think it would be beautiful if he if he picks up that trophy, man. It would be. Yeah. A moment that I think all of us will remember forever. Definitely. As as football fans, like there's probably nothing that we all would have witnessed that would have been more significant than that moment where he lifts that trophy. That's a good point. What what do you reckon, Quinny? Are you team Messi or are you team Ronaldo? Or do you are you just kind of I'm a big football romantic, so definitely at this point, like it is, it is on the Messi bandwagon. And I do think like, I heard somebody saying it somewhere and I, I I feel terrible, I can't remember where it was, but Particularly in this World Cup, like there's a, there has been a huge separation in the Messi-Ronaldo argument. 
And I think if you were to kind of boil it down, this this is what I heard someone else saying. I'm just going to steal it. But <laughs> Ronaldo actually, you know, Ronaldo makes Portugal worse. Like Portugal is actually a really good team. <laughs> Putting Ronaldo in it actually made them way worse. Whereas Argentina is a pretty crap team, really. <laughs> and Messi does make them way better. And you know, I know there's two years between them in age. You know, so Messi's maybe yet to quite be at Ronaldo's stage, aging career-wise. You know, but that has been a a, a huge difference because Ronaldo. And yeah, because Ronaldo over the last like three or four years has been seen more as like a hindrance to a team that you have to facilitate him. And Messi, again, kind of ties back into what you were saying there, Stish, in terms of that kind of um, on-pitch persona he's been kind of shaking around because um, the the pre the, the thing most people have always said with Messi is like, oh, he's not like that and he does press and he does harry. But if you watch him for Argentina, like that team is built around making him free, making him available. Yeah. Just let yeah. him do what he wants. If he wants to go over there, let him. If he doesn't, that's cool too, <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, I think uh, it'd be. I think you'd have to be a really hard-nosed football fan to not want Messi to do it because, again, if you look at the list of Ballon d'Or winners this century, for me, like, the best ones are all the ones that have won a World Cup. You know, so we're talking like R nine, Zidane, Ronaldinho. These proper all-time great level guys have Ballon d'Ors and have World Cups. And for the amount of Ballon d'Ors Messi's got, he's due one of those World Cups, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, the romantic in me definitely wants to see him lift the trophy. I'm I'm not a massive fan of the brand of football that, that Argentina play. I felt a bit sorry. Felt a little bit sorry for, for the Netherlands um, playing against them. I thought it was a bit, you know, like I don't know, there's a part of me that likes it, but a part of me that dislikes it as well. It's uh I can respect it and I think that like that by any means necessary is kind of, you know, we're at the business end of the World Cup and I totally understand it. But as a party, it's just like I would hate to play against a team like that. I would absolutely hate it. But like you said, with Messi in the team, the football romantics out there, it would be lovely to see him lift that World Cup. Um I said it before the World Cup. I'm you know, I'm, I'm a big Ronaldo fan as well. Either of them lifting a World Cup, you can't can't hate that. Um wasn't to be for Ronaldo, like you said. I just don't think yeah, I think the difference between Messi and Ronaldo as well is that Ronaldo for the last few years in his career, has been pretty much a goal scorer, a goal scoring threat, a fox in the box, an annoyance, someone that the defenders have to know where he is all the time. Messi still sits, sits in that false nine, you know, like centre attacking mid gets that gets a little bit higher up than than, than most. And he plays incredible passes like he did with Molina. Yeah, his oh, passing mate, is like that pass is just a chop. Oh, yeah, he's he, <laughs> in in kind of like. If I look back as as a United fan, he's he Messi is closer to like what Rooney was in Rooney's like latter stages of his career than like Ronaldo has been mm. in his. And I think that if anything, that will give Messi a bit more longevity because he could be just as useful dropping a little bit deeper, not being expected to get the goals. Like the goals are not as big a part of his game as they are for Ronaldo. Without the goals, Ronaldo doesn't make a lot of goals. You know, he doesn't score as many free kicks as he'd like. Messi still puts free kicks away, still on pens, but he sets up as many goals as he scores. And, you know, I don't think people be as worried about it. Like, like last season at PSG, no one was that worried about Messi's form, given he wasn't putting the goals away. It was like, he's still Lionel Messi. He frees up space for Neymar and Mbappe, makes goals for them. That what didn't seem to be a, a concern, whereas with Ronaldo... He was one of the top scorers in the Premier League and people were still saying, what's he doing? He's making the team bad. He's this, that and the other. And 
I don't necessarily think he made the team bad for United. It was just that he did not suit the system that we were trying to play. And although he still did score goals, it wasn't what we needed. And I think it's the same with Portugal. It's like Portugal's system and their team and like their strengths are not played to when you play Ronaldo as like a focal point. And that was proven as soon as they put Ramos into the team. Um, obviously, they couldn't get through the next stage. But I think, yeah, the Ronaldo-Messi at this stage in their career, it's almost difficult to compare them because they're just not... They're it's not really comparable. Type really of player. You can't judge them by the same metrics at the moment. Exactly. And I think yeah. on current performance, it's just like, they're not in the same conversation, really, are they? As much as, you know, we all can respect Ronaldo's career and what he's achieved. Yep. Yeah. On current form, you can't, they're not you in the same. might as well compare him with Callum Wilson. He's probably better <laughs> off at the moment. Yeah. yeah. He's this probably better off. Like You're, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it's just I mean, like, that's, that's it. I guess it's it's a matter of like not being able to readjust to your age. Maybe that's one thing and people can like point the finger at, at Ronaldo and be like, hey, you're not that sprinty, athletic guy as much as you want to be. Maybe try and play a little bit more for the team. And he just doesn't seem to have that team player mentality. Like you've seen yeah. at United, I'm assuming yourself as a United fan, you've seen it where he comes onto the pitch, everyone tries to play it to him when he, when the yeah. ball doesn't arrive at his feet or on top of his head. He just throws up in his, his arms, walks off the stadium. Like there's just so many things that just don't indicate that he is a team player in, in these times. I mean, I'm not going to be judging previously but right now as it stands it just doesn't seem to be working for him and i feel like it's like a struggle that's going on inside of him where he's yeah. like really angry at himself possibly for not being able to readjust or not being able to put up the numbers that he used to be mm. and uh yeah messi has just plays a completely different game like he could literally just you just need 10 people that run around give him the ball and then everyone runs forward and it'll just pick a pass out like he doesn't need to score and Numbers-wise, you just won't be able to compare these two. It's been done for like this year, at least. It's done. Like you can't compare them. Yeah, it's crazy. So we're all going for Argentina to win the World Cup then. <laughs> I think I think yeah. everyone wants to see it, apart from like massive Ronaldo fans that like want him to have the Euro over Messi with the World Cup. You know. Yeah. But I think a lot of people will be kind of rooting for the Argentina squad. I, I if Morocco makes it through, I'll be rooting for them. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I said that in a tweet. I'm getting massive Greece 2004 vibes off Morocco. You know, mm -hmm. like quite low scoring, hard to beat. You know, they've, they've, none of their players are like glamorous, except for maybe Hakimi, maybe Zayas. You know, but the, the the whole team is just like solid pros that are in like the top end of European football, playing for somebody somewhere. You know, yeah. And it's like the some of their you know they're greater. Um, you know, they're they're worth more than some of their parts kind of idea. So uh, that that could be cool. One of the things I was thinking about coming into this World Cup, that I was kind of rooting for is like if Mbappe was to win this World Cup you know that's two that's two World Cups locked in by the age of 23 like that is like that's serious that's Pele levels you know like <laughs> so like that is a final if that if it is France Argentina like it's a real that's a real historic match in football like for both and for all so it should be a good final either way yeah, and who's to Morocco. say he doesn't win it again when he's 27 and 31 like they have so much talent they can feel the starting eleven of centre backs. Like, is yeah. <laughs> that insane? <laughs> yeah, France's centre back selection is bigger than the England forward line headache that the that Gareth yeah. Southgate has. Oh, 
their centre backs is is a joke. Like, there's look at the players that aren't in that squad that are amazing and probably going to be banging on the door for the next uh, Euros and beyond as well. It's the front French are just like a machine of building top quality centre backs and have been for years. If you look back, really, yeah. like they've always been defensively decent, haven't they? Um, and I'd say, like, you know, like if anything as well, people looked at. We, as England fans, we looked at France's weaknesses and we looked at their weakness in the game in their starting eleven as potentially, you know, their their defense because their forward line is so solid. And in midfield, you you know, you're trying to break through Chermaini, who had a great game and has been a, a, a really good performer in the World Cup. But I think that even given France's defensive strengths, they haven't performed out of their skin like some other defenses have. Maybe they just haven't been tested as much in this t- in the tournament. But, you know, we know as players of so rare how good so many of those um, centre-backs are. You know, has Saliba even had minutes in this tournament? Did he play? Best, best centre-back in the Prem, not getting playtime. It's insane. It's <laughs> yeah. insane. And, yeah, the amount of players, you know, if you look at them at Lyon and the players they've got coming through at centre-back, young French internationals. Luke Haber, uh, yeah. who's, what, 19, 20 years old, looks a player. Um, yeah. Simakan, I don't think he's he's part of it as well. Yeah, right? it's it's insane. It's like, they're going to be a force in the Euros yeah, in the next World Cup. There's, there's so many. You can just keep going. <laughs> it's insane, isn't it? And But like you said, like Mbappe, like in a few years' time, I mean, we, we're not really talking about Mbappe versus Ronaldo versus Messi yet, but like how many years away are we from putting him in the conversation? In these Champions Leagues, you know, like yeah. on top of, you know, yeah. the France stuff's cool, but he, need, he needs UCOs to get into that chat, doesn't he? Let's go to right. Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, there's no reason, you know, like I the squad that PSG have that could you know, or a big move to Real Madrid that's been touted for yeah. so long. It's bound to happen. One of Haaland or Mbappe will probably end up there at some point. It just has to happen, mm. right? Both of them Real Madrid fans. Like, I think it depends a lot on that, the financial side of things in Spain, isn't it? Because I think that we've seen the problems that Barcelona have had in recent history. And um, there's a lot of talk of like Real Madrid coming to a similar situation in the not-so-distant future based yeah. around you know, financial fair play. And that may or may not happen to Man City in future. Who knows? Like people are going to have to get a bit smart about how they sign and sell players. I think City have got round it by selling a lot of young talent, haven't they? Or like loaning players out. And yeah, people are starting to get a bit smarter to it. I think Barcelona have found themselves in a difficult spot. But if Real Madrid can stay wise to it and pick up a, an Mbappe or and put him into that side, you know. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to go through a midfield overhaul, aren't they, in the next year year or two? Now, like Modric and Tony Kroos, I think his contract might even be up this summer. So it'll be interesting to see so. if he renews or, yeah. or what. I mean, I, I I wouldn't mind a little Tony Kroos MLS activity. I think that'd be great for SO5 as a holder. He gets 100 <laughs> points every game. I think he's on record to see he wants to retire at Real, by the way. Yeah. I mean, so he still plays I, I every game, right? He's... Yeah, he's not that old yet. He's still what 33, 34? He's still yeah. He's still got a few years on Modric, hasn't he? I know that much. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know that. I, I, when I've heard them say that, you know, and then if, I didn't realize his contract was up this summer. I thought it was maybe next summer. But as we're talking about it, now, I remember like Andre Charlotte retired mad early. If you remember as well, sometimes these guys, you know, they're like, oh, I've won everything. You know, I'm minted. Yeah. 
cool. Let's just call that a day and move on. Maybe yeah, someone gets that point. People just don't live that lifestyle where you constantly need bags and bags of money, right? They're fine with what they've earned and happy with their lives, with their family. I mean, he, he, he retired from international football some time ago now, didn't he? How old was he when he retired from international? Maybe the last, the last World Cup for Euros? Euro, I believe, right? Last Euros. It wasn't really 2020 Euros. It was, was the one before that, maybe then. Was it? He was it not 18? in the last squad. 18 where he scored that free kick. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's age, That's early, isn't it, for like a player of his calibre to retire from international football. I mean, he won it all, hadn't he, really? But he he could still probably get into the German side, like arguably the starting eleven. I mean, you you yeah, know better than most. Right back. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, which he hates. <laughs> I think Philip, Philip Lamb retired in that kind of similar situation, didn't he? I know. I think he retired World Cup champion. I think he retired after yeah. the final. But he like, he was timing. like thirty-four or something, maybe at the time. I don't think he was like he, he was thirty-nine. Yeah. Right. It wasn't like proper pushing. I think you know. So, so maybe it's a wee bit of a German thing. I'm just thinking about Sherla and Lamb now. All of a sudden, and whatever. So <laughs> maybe it's uh, maybe it's one of those things. Yeah, that'll be interesting. So, uh, on the subject of the World Cup, um, sort of take it back into the so rare. How have you got on, Chani, in your Global Cup? Have you been engaged with Global Cup that much, or have you been focusing more on the the other d- divisions as and when they've opened up? Um, as much as I haven't necessarily won anything during the Global Cup, it's still been extremely enjoyable to follow the players that I've had. Like, it's been nice to have a Messi for once, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's been nice to be able to experience that as a so rare user, because uh, if I want to experience it, it otherwise in like the rare division, I'd probably have to sell half my gallery. So, um, <laughs> <At least. laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been nice to be able to use some of these players and... Uh, get to know them in terms of like Sorare scoring and how they do. And maybe some of these guys are players that I would like to pick up moving into the future. Like it's been a great experience. And I, I love the fact that many, many times already we have seen so many people who finished like in the topper echelons of the Global Cup have accounts that were already maybe playing, but only had like a couple of limiteds. And now all of a sudden the guy wins an Mbappe and Neymar and all those things like it's been beautiful to watch. And I really hope that soon enough, they come out with an announcement for something that's going to happen after the Global Cup, because they they are in such a good run right now with this mode. The only thing that I can really point at and be like, oh, this is a big mistake, is like that they didn't have the Sora app for this Global Cup. Because I think that would have been a huge opportunity to have it on everyone's phones, right? Like being on everyone's phone is extremely valuable. And uh, yeah. Sadly, they missed on missed out on that opportunity. But overall, I feel like the Global Cup has been amazing. Uh, for a free free to play a game, it's uh, it's been received really well by my viewers, at least who have come over from like my main channel and all those things. Mm. How many of your viewers do you think will be engaged enough to continue beyond the Global Cup? I think that is the big that's the big challenge they have now, isn't it? Is yeah. like how do you keep these new users interested? I mean, I've had. 2,560 people in my private league, and I'm assuming a lot of them are probably people that came over from my main channel. Um, I'd say a nice like 10, 10 to 15% of these people will still remain interested. And the thing is, like, even if not all of them 
continue to play the game and invest into the platform, I think the brand recognition has gone up levels with this yeah. uh, tournament. And uh, everyone I see on Twitter, all the FIFA content creators, all these guys were involved in promoting it. And I feel like now more and more people kind of get to know it. And I watch Nep's streams all the time. He has thousands of people watching him play FIFA, but like there are so many people in there constantly saying like, I'm here for the Soria content. Like, show me your team, show me your lineup. And then they're like, ever since I started playing Soria, I haven't touched Ultimate Team. And uh, it's it just shows once people get into this product, once they understand it, they just don't leave because it's so, so much fun. Yeah. And the community is great. Like the people that you get to know in the community, I think that makes a big difference. Like getting to know guys like you and then having Nellis and all these guys that we're in contact with, like it's just great to have people to talk to in terms of like the football. Because right now I'm sat at home alone. Like who am I going to talk to? Am I going to talk to my wife? She's going to be like, just leave me alone. Right? <laughs> so so I'll, like it's great to be able to uh, share this uh, this passion with other people so yeah i'm hoping that a lot of people convert into at least the limited level um and then move on from there yeah i'd agree for both of you actually a good question that i would have is if we are going to sort of quantify what might be a likely roll on from the global cup would you say that like looking into your own stats as youtube creators gives you a little bit of an insight of how much of an uptick maybe there has been on your so rare um, specific content during the global cup. Do you feel like, like Chani, you just said that you've got quite a lot of people that signed up for the, for your league that are maybe new signups and Quinny likewise, have you seen an uptick in your views and your engagement on your YouTube content um, since the global cup? Or, or, or like a, maybe like something that is maybe more more of an uptick than you'd normally get through like the kind of general progression of your so rare content through a normal part of the season. Pretty you go ahead. Uh, for me, no. I think a lot of people really outside of us are turned off to the World Cup. You know, like I do some Celtic content as well and speak to some other people and whatever. And like, I think outside of so rare, like I don't think very many people until now-ish I've cared about the World Cup, really. I think most people, because at the time of day it was on, a lot of people are actually at work, you know, doing real jobs <laughs> most of the time. So like 10, you know, all the early kickoffs and whatever, school runs and stuff, you know, whatever. So I think for the and with it being in winter, blah, 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 and then the political stuff that maybe some people have got, um, you know, a stance with or whatever. So I think, like, I've really enjoyed it. And I think anyone that's came into it has really enjoyed it. But I think, like, the wider World Cup thing doesn't isn't really... Like, so when I'm making like Global Cup videos or whatever, obviously we're talking about the games and the players and who's doing well and who's going to do well. The only people that watch that are people that have Global Cup interest. You won't, there's not many people just like, oh, buzzing for the World Cup tonight. Let me just go and watch a World Cup yeah, preview. Yeah. You know, I just, you don't really get that as much, you know. Just my opinion, I guess. I don't know. I, I think one uh, metric that makes it very easy to see if it if it has done well or not is probably affiliate links, right? So you see how many people have signed up, how much people have spent and all those things. I've, I've definitely seen an uptick, a massive uptick in terms of that. So I'm assuming that a lot of people have uh, joined in and have converted to paying users as well, um, which is good to see. Uh, but um, in terms of my so rare content, I would say not necessarily as much of an uptick because I haven't 
gone out there and done the videos of like this is the guy you should pick up for your global yeah. cup and all those things i just update i just update people on my roads of my road to glory so to say uh with my players and how they have done like i'm not necessarily interested in trying to suggest players to others as much because i feel like i don't want to be, be in a spot where i suggest someone hey this guy could do really well and then he doesn't play or he breaks yeah. his leg like i don't want to be the guy that initiated that, right? So uh, <laughs> I don't want to be associated with that. So I, I'd rather just keep people updated on my journey and that's it. But one thing I've definitely seen is like a, a decent uptick in terms of like my main YouTube channel with the FIFA videos. I always talk about football in the videos and I also mentioned so rare and all those things. And I definitely have seen a big uptick in terms of like comments and social media engagement in terms of so rare itself i've seen many many people tell me their lineups in my comments and all those yeah. things so uh yeah i think i think i think they have done well with all of this but again the only thing that i can really say is like the app had to be ready for this world cup i don't understand why they didn't have that one i think that's yeah. a big big mistake because the the way the app works is just actually nice to look at on the phone like you don't have many apps on the phone that look as visually pleasing when, as when you like set up your lineups and all these things on the on so rare so it, it kind of sucks that they didn't have that ready to go my only theory on that because i agree it is a big a big miss that they don't have that working particularly for just setting lineups especially for new users who maybe only have their commons and don't have like 100 players to scroll through to find the yeah. one they're looking for i think there was a there was an update wasn't there on the app store particularly for apple that was something about um the sale of or usage of any apps that ac access like web3 like blockchain data so anything to do with nfts um they changed their like rules of like terms of use and i just wonder if that had any part in why so res football side of because the mda side still works right it's just the football side so i don't know what happened but maybe yeah, so that doesn't make sense, right? Because if that on, was the case, right? Then basketball. Yeah, because on basketball, I can still set my common lineups. Yeah, so that's a good point. Yeah, for the Global I, Cup, it's free to play anyways. It should have been accessible, I think. Yeah, it is strange that that hasn't been fixed. There hasn't really been any communication either as to like what yeah. is going on with that, which was surprising. It's a big missed but, um, opportunity. And I really hope that when the World Cup is over, whatever they're going to launch, if they launch anything in terms of like free to play, I really hope they get it right and immediately have the app ready to go. Yeah, the app needs to come with an update with the next big announcement, really, doesn't it? Because that is super important. But, you know, on the on the subject of updates, Quinny and I touched on it on the last podcast, but obviously we haven't spoke to you. It'd be good to get your opinion on the new rules around the, the thresholds moving into all different scarcities and the 240-point cap. Are you making any plans so you have you like in terms of your gallery do you feel like you're in a place to attack those 240 caps and are you going to be playing expanding into different um scarcities anything like that any plans or thoughts for mm. you really so initially my reaction was positive and it still is mainly um the only thing that i don't like about the thresholds is that we don't get the captaincy bonus or the xp bonus i think one of the two should be in uh, because 240, trying to hit 250, I think it's going to be 
way harder than people expect because right now everyone is used to their bonuses, their XP, their um, their captaincy choices making a big difference. And taking all of that away, I think it's going to be extremely hard for a lot of people out there to be able to engage in this because you do need a somewhat larger gallery to be able to pick and choose players that just fit perfectly for that week. So for example, I have a Florian Wirtz. I know his L15 is a zero, his L5 is a zero. So I know like as soon as this game mode comes out, even though I, he probably will have played until then, but technically if it was to come out like tomorrow, I just pop him in there and have a massive advantage. And I think there's going to be plenty of moments like that. And it just, I, I don't like the fact that we don't have the XP bonus. I think that's one thing that people need to be rewarded for. If I if I go out of my way and get myself a player that has like 10% on him, I want to be rewarded for it in no matter which game mode I play. Especially if you give me a cap that is below the point total I need to reach. Mm. And being somewhat consistent in it is going to be very hard to do unless you have a large gallery. And I don't think that's what SoRare necessarily needs to target. I think what they need to target is converting more of these smaller galleries into those thresholds, ideally, because most of the money that they probably give out still remains on a platform. They're not necessarily losing that money, right, when they give it out, in most cases, I feel. And yeah, I just, I just think there are going to be changes. I don't think this is going to stay the same way it is now and the way it's been announced. I feel like there's going to be some quick changes to this because more people will then realize, oh, this is not exactly as I expected it to be. I don't like this. And people will, will be very loud about it. And I think Sora mm. will react. But in general, I like the fact that we have thresholds now on every scarcity. I like what they've done with it in terms of like, converting the whole thing from just rare into limited super rare and then having different payouts for those specific leagues as well like it encourages me to go out there and make changes to my gallery because i've been playing rare all the time and now i'm thinking oh maybe i should pick up a couple more on the 23 super rares to possibly have these guys who are normally like backups or substitutes in this game mode where if they come on as a sub and score i'm looking good right yeah just to have extra utility for those types of players. And uh, yeah, I think that's that's just generally my thought process. I think there will be changes to it. I don't think it stays exactly how they have announced it so far. What are your guys' thoughts on it? What are you saying, Quinny? I think we we were both like pretty positive about it, weren't we, on last week's? And I still feel like pretty positive. I've actually made a few moves in the in the market to try and I think I'm quite fortunate in that I have a lot of super rares that I've won in like D2 that aren't great and have been hard to shift up until this point. Mm. But that super rare threshold is really appealing to try and yeah. get for me. Like that's a nice amount of money to win. Um, and I have two uniques up to this point and this week I bought a third. So I'm in a position now where if I buy one more unique, I could potentially look at that unique uh, division Eve scraping mm. on a week where the fixtures sit right for me. Um, I don't think that my uniques are strong enough to potentially enter them into a D1 unless I have some freak week where it, my teams are some of the only ones playing, therefore I have the best potential um, lineup. But the Eve scraping, what is it, $250 in the unique? Yeah. That's, that's incredible. If I had a team 
that could enter that, I'd be looking at that quite seriously um, because, you know, like a, a card win, 0.25 ETH card win, would it would probably be like a tier one, maybe. Yeah, but how many people can play it? I, w- I really exactly, wonder yeah. how many people can actually play that division now. Like, yes, there is an incentive to go out there and get these uniques now. The floor might go up a little bit, but I just don't think there are enough people right now that play the unique division where it will actually have an impact. I feel like yeah. it's going to be a very small amount, uh, a small group of people. And uh, yeah, I think I think the idea is right, but as things stand now, it might be, it might not be the best move. I don't know. Yeah, I'll be interested. What about you, Quinny? Have you, have you been looking at your gallery, thinking about how you're going to attack this? I was really excited about it. Um, obviously, when it first came out, and I still like we were actually chatting just before we came on. Like, I think what you know, I, I think what this threshold probably will become and seen as being in the game, like will be pretty important and pretty valuable. But like Chani kind of says, like there is definitely, you know, there's early signs that there's some kinks to be worked out and some tweaks to maybe made. Like listening to Chani, like it's definitely, um, it's definitely put my, it's definitely put the light bulb on for me that, yeah, like I think XP probably would be pretty well served in this game mode, whereas I never really gave it much thought when it first came out. Um, because like, if you are going to, like if you are going to assemble a little squad and rotate fixtures through or whatever, you should have that reward of the XP for having the NFT for keeping a hold of it yeah. and then like if you do want to flip-flop and move through the market and chase guys that have an L15-0 then the penalty for doing such is you'll probably have a card with lesser XP than someone that's held on to him when he was injured and trained him up and da, yeah. da, 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 da. so I think um, that's definitely something I would think about but what I would worry about is if they did say yeah okay well we'll add an XP but we'll now change the cap to 230 or something like that or we'll change the points required to be 260 or something because I think they've factored this stuff in you know, like, if what if we give them XP? What if we give them a captain? What if we make it underdog? What if we make it this? What if we make it that? And I think most of the time with Soraya, like, they don't like to, like, wholesale change things again. They're really happy to tweak and iterate. And I think um, they've probably done the checks and balances on we pay out enough where this is a win for the community. And equally, we're not going to shoot ourselves in the face by giving this away. I think that's from the, the wording that they put out anyway. I think that's what the goal's been. And uh, I would worry that if we do get something that sounds cool, maybe it makes it a wee bit harder in some other context, p- perhaps. So maybe a, a wee bit of uh, be careful what we want. <laughs> oh, yeah. What do you think about that? It will be interesting to have a look on so red data in those first couple of game weeks to see how many, because I know a lot of people have kind of like built out the sort of financial models based on what the current scores are. But obviously they've, they've done that based on, you know, the, the average XP of, a player rather than like who you know who's banging putting teams of like plus 10 percent into the sort of eth grinding divisions and i think it will become apparent pretty quickly and as chani was saying and yourself quinny i would expect changes to to come in pretty quickly maybe in the first month even um but yeah xp is a good talking point um i've definitely got a few cards that in all-star like rare i look at and think you know i think i've got like i think my paqueta is like 11.5 percent and then last season we had all all the like napoli cards who i think like at one point bali is like 13 percent as a rare exactly (laughs) and if you put him and a couple more of those into like your all-star pro 
They don't really need. They need to have. A, they can have a below average game and still make you hit. You know that that small threshold. And, and you get rewarded for it, right? Like you have yeah. to work for these players to get to these ratings or pay up because you exactly. want these high percentages. This is it. And I think uh, if we look at basketball as like a uh, an example of like how we might have to play this game because basketball has the caps and, you know, has the contender and the champion and how important it is in those divisions. If you really want to compete for the top prizes, you have to be in the market, trading, chopping and changing, um, but then, you know, if you're doing that too much, you are losing your XP. So then it pays to have a bigger gallery of players that just sit in training most weekends. Um, so I think that like the liquid market, the liquidity of the limited market, sorry, will be really interesting to see like how much more market activity there is in the kind of like the after sales. And I think that if we look at the updates we've had on the platform before we had this, that makes sense now why they made the changes to the counter offers, the the listing for one week, all these little things they've done ahead of this, I think were because they knew this was coming and they needed to make sure that like it was a bit easier to swap cards with other managers or get the price you want or you know, list it for a bit longer so that the market stays liquid longer and the prices maybe change a little bit more. In less less frequently than they have done um and basketball as i mean as someone who i don't trade a lot on the basketball side i've got basketball team and i kind of like reuse the cards that i win i sell the odd one i don't buy that many unless like i'm looking at my team and i'm like wow i'm super competitive this week if i can just get that one player that pushes me into that potential tier one category then I might pick up a limited, but I've I've got a few rares. I haven't got too involved in rares, but I do still think that rare is probably the play on basketball. But in the football sense, it's gonna it's actually gonna burn a lot of XP, isn't it? Because if you're when you buy a card, it loses two percent, doesn't it? As yeah. well. So like over the course of the, the next few months, with people swapping and chopping and changing these cards, a lot of those high XP cards will just they'll banish. Yeah, they'll actually they'll end up with 0% again. and It'll be worth even more to have the high XP cards now in the regular game modes. Yes. Yeah, a lot of people might lose a lot of XP. And I think that that'll be interesting, won't it? Like those, talking of like players like my Paqueta, why would I put him in the 240 cap when I could use him in All-Star Rare Pro or something like that, yep. using where I'm going to get the utility of that XP? And it'll be interesting to see what does happen to those kind of like legacy players who we know have the big XP because their team, they've moved to a team that's not covered or something like that. Those players who we all know have an XP will become like unicorns on the platform. Like we've seen with, you know, during the World Cup, those Chinese Super League players, like I've got Romulo and Kim Min Woo and people like that who are just racking up XP for fun. And putting out big scores outside of the World Cup games, um, we're going to see a lot of that, I think, through this 240 cap, where certain players you just won't see used in that division because they're losing all of their, you know, their their extra power. Um, I do wonder if that will have an impact on their price and whether or not people will be targeting that as much or if it will just be a bit of a side game for the big, big accounts that have options, you know. One thing I'd like to ask you, Chani, is like a big uh, crypto guy in particular. Let's like, see, 
at the moment, like these obviously these amounts are pinned into dollars, right? And right now, if you know the price of ETH, whatever it is and whatever it will be, who knows, right? But if we suspect that this is probably a lower point for ETH, generally speaking, than what it maybe will be, generally speaking, in the future, you know, do your own research, this isn't advice or whatever, yeah. you know, but do you think for like people like us that have access to the game now and have an understanding of it, that accessing every amount of free ETH that could be uh, pulled out of the game is something worth going down? Or do you think once you get to the limited threshold, it's maybe not worth your while? I think in ter- I think anyone that really plays the game at this point, it's not necessarily about winning ETH. I think it's about like trying to get the best players that you can and trying to compete, right? I've, I never really looked at Sora as like, oh, I, I'm just trying to get more ETH out of it. But in terms of like crypto, uh, yes, we are down bad, right? <laughs> but what isn't? Like what is out there that you could have invested in in the past two, three years that isn't down? Like huge companies worth billions and billions. They are losing 60, 70, 70% of value in these past like 12 to 24 months. Like it's been mad. So I look at it and I think, okay, sure, my gallery value has gone down, but what hasn't? Like, where could I, where, where could I have put my money where it wouldn't have gone down? Maybe if I like bought gold or something, but like I'm not 90 years old. I'm not gonna <laughs> go. I'm not gonna go out and buy gold, right? So <laughs> I'm just like, in terms of like trying to cash in or get more money or like invest into crypto, I don't think. People should be looking at Sorare that way. I think a lot of people have kind of like misdirected by like, even I myself, like I looked at you guys when I came into Sorare, I looked at your guys' galleries and your like gallery evaluation graph on Sorare, where it was like yeah. down here and then, oh, it goes up here. It's like, oh my God, I want to be that guy, right? I want to, <laughs> I want to be, I want to be the guy that puts in 5k and turns out like with a gallery worth 200k in two years, but it's just not realistic. There, you guys were early adopters. You came in at the perfect time. You came in at a time where referral rewards were rare cards. Like, it, there's a massive difference to coming into a game that has already established its, itself versus a game that was just about getting started and rewarding people for being early adopters. So, looking at So Rare now, just Try to have fun with it, man. Don't put funds into it that you are like not willing to lose mm. because anywhere else you put money into, everything goes down. There's nothing necessarily that is going up unless you somehow bought an under 23 player that's like 17, never played a game, and all of a sudden he's the best player in the world. Like <laughs> that, that's not going to happen too often. So I think the whole like ETH and crypto thing, just don't focus on it too much, man. Just have fun with it and just let it happen naturally. Because constantly checking gallery values and stuff like that, it's just not good. It's just not going to be good. It's just, just going to cause you to panic and put out dumb Twitter threads <laughs> where you're like <laughs> stating, oh, everything is crashing. Uh, the, yeah. the platform is dying. They are taking away our ETH. Uh, like, come on. <laughs> we have so many new users coming into the platform. And potentially after this Global Cup is done, so many more people will be uh, enjoying this product. Like, there's no need to be unnecessarily negative about it. If you feel bad about the situation of the platform, just try and cash out, man. That's it. There's no reason to go on about it for days and days and trying to, like, put it down. Makes no sense. Yeah. 
I think we've talked touched on this before, haven't we, Quinny? That my theory on it is that the most of the people that are the loudest on social media are people that have probably already sold and are just like trying to justify that they didn't get out too early. So oh, they want to see it crash and burn because they want to be correct about when they sold their gallery. And they're just doing it because they feel like this bitterness towards the fact that it's maybe progressing beyond the what, how they thought it would, you know? Yeah. And I've definitely seen a few even kind of own up to that in the last couple of weeks where they got called out on social media. And they're like, yeah, you know, maybe I did cash out a bit too early, but there's so much stuff they need to do. And it's not yeah, a personal yeah. dig though at these people. Like it's just human behavior, right? Like when you like are overexposed, you're just mad. You're just mad yeah. at the world, right? And you're not happy with how things are going and you lash out at anything you can find. It makes sense. I understand. But at the core, I feel like a lot of these people that are being negative about it still really love the product, but they just wanted to dish out free money, <laughs> which is just not going to happen. But that's why they're happy. <laughs> <laughs> Up until now, maybe, yeah. <laughs> so it will be harder to pull this out. No two ways about it. You know, and like you, Chad, you make a lot of great points there, and I, I definitely echo everything you've said there in terms of like, focusing on the gameplay rather than gallery values and all that kind of stuff. The, that, that kind of crypto element is something that almost everyone does have to overcome in some way or shape or form when they get onto Soria because like, the NFT the, element, yeah. The like, NFT element, which is great. Yeah. And it's something that I think like I'm telling myself now more when I'm making content. And this is something to be like shouting about. This is actually something that's really cool because like over the, like maybe over the last six months, eight months, I feel a wee bit of like, ah, oh, if you bring it up, you then need to explain it. And then some people will think it's too complicated and some people will be put off by it. But it's actually a really good thing. But I've kind of went, I'm kind of back to that point now where I, I do think that all this stuff is the stuff that should be like kind of front and center. And like you own the, I don't know if I've said that in this recording, but I've heard myself say it a thousand times on edits and stuff like that. But, you know, you only spend money on these cards once. Like, you know, you don't need to buy them all the time. You don't need to buy cards every season, every week, every month, you know, depending on, what your disposable funds are as well as what your objectives are in the game and how much fun you want to have or any yield you do want to go and grab from it. Um, but yeah, I've, I've kind of lost my train of thought now, but, <laughs> but oh, that, yeah, that, that, that was basically the main crux of it is you, you buy the stuff once, you know, and then you're in the game and you're playing it and you're, you're kind of progressing and moving on. And there was a really good Twitter thing that kind of popped into my head, but Ramper probably not too far away from doing off-ramping now as well, which yeah. which could be something and that ties in, Chani, to what you're talking about again with like the, the app being available and then maybe the, what's the word, the conversion from the people from Global Cup to, to in. It's all these little quality of life things. It just makes it like everything else is probably what's left to be installed. We've had ton, tons of these updates. So like I came in into Solar 2021 December and... At the point in time where I came in, the game was extremely raw. Like it was simple, straightforward, not too much to think about. Then all of a sudden we get new divisions, we get specialists, we get underdog, we get all these things that get added into the game. And so many updates, so many things that people have been requiring, counter offers, all these things have now come onto the platform. It's like, guys, are you not realizing how this product is developing during Ooh the possibly the worst time in economy, like they are building, they are constantly upgrading and they are probably still like bringing in new employees and growing the the, the product and the, the company. Like how are we going to be sitting here and like acting like everything is crashing and burning when 
it has improved so much in so many ways. And even like the regulatory side of things, it has been recognized and not gambling, which is huge, obviously. Like all those things, so many things have been going positive. Licensing, so many clubs, so many leagues, like it's on EA levels of licensing. I don't even think EA have this many licenses for FIFA. They have lost licenses to like Konami for like these Italian teams and all those things. Like it's incredible what they're doing, but I feel like people are just so focused on the gallery values. None of this would be happening if ETH was like stable and we wouldn't have come down. Like people are only complaining because gallery valuations are down. It's not like you lost these players. You still have these guys. You can still yield off of them. You can still use these guys in competitions. And I feel like if, if we didn't have ETH halving in price, no one would be talking about these things. Everyone would be raving about the fact that the platform has gotten so much better. Yeah, I think I said that last week, didn't I, Quinny? That like we don't hear anyone complaining about their gallery values when ETH is like going up 50% in the course of like a couple of months because their galleries, you know, the price is kind of more pegged to the pound, but it or the dollar or the euro, whatever you mm. you're spending. But that is like reactionary. It takes a few days. Like if ETH goes down 20%, your gallery goes down 20%, but then eventually like the pound price will kind of come back to somewhere nearer where it was before the big drop or, you know, and then so like you might see like your ETH balance going up, but your your dollar like value come, coming down a little bit. But on, in, on the flip, when ETH goes up, like it rockets up when it when mm. it has done in the past, your your pound value does not drop at that same rate so your gallery value continues to go up as well but maybe you lose a bit of the ETH value of your oh but you know like the actual yeah. like monetary value and it's like these are things that these are the, like exactly what chani was saying when we're in a kind of downtrend there's not a lot of good news in terms of gallery unless like oh like, i think there was definitely a time i looked at my gallery value and it's quite high in ETH, and i remember hearing someone on a podcast explaining why they sold their gallery because they were big into crypto they got into this game to earn eth and eth took a massive hit the gallery prices kind of reacted but it meant that their gallery was worth like 200 eth or something like that and they were like i want 200 eth i will sell my gallery they were like, i'm here for the eth like i'm never going to get more eth than this for my gallery because when eth comes back out or like pops back up their gallery goes down to like 100 in ETH or 120 and they sold it for that. But like, if you are here to play the game, as you're saying, like, don't focus on your gallery price, especially where the market is at the moment, because we're in a downtrend and that, you know, like, I feel like as much as I do feel like we're a little bit more closely pegged to the fiat rate, it's not, it's not exactly the fiat rate. And I think if we start seeing an upward trend for ETH, we'll see a lot less people complaining about their gallery values that's for sure and then 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 fomo happens everyone yes. jumps in like Absolutely. that's the thing like as soon as things go up again everyone's like oh my god i need to i need to come back i need to play this game again yeah like, it's, it's just everyone that has left trust me at least at least half of these people will probably once eve goes back up they're gonna come back and be like oh like I need to play this game again because everyone's having so much fun and their gallery values are going up. I need to be part yeah. of this. So yeah, it. It, it's it's a weird situation to be in because like everything outside of Surrey is dying too. Like everything's going down. Yeah, I don't I don't understand what how people can like point the finger at their at their gallery values and be like, why is this not going up? 
nothing is going up. <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing. I think it's important as well, people remember that every single person is only acting in their own best intentions when it comes to Soraya. And in terms of like, if, you know, there is big creative stuff getting drawn around and all the rest. So everyone is only acting for the most part and in, <clears throat> in their own kind of intent. Like, you know, the thresholds coming out is huge news for me because last time the market took a mad nosedive, I just went and bought mad superwares that I can't sell anymore. And now I'm looking at a thing that will pay me £100 a week for the superwares I've got. So obviously I'm buzzing because I'm thinking about my club and I'm thinking about all the cards I can play and all the divisions I can go into and what if I add this and what if I sell that. And so whenever I'm talking about this stuff or thinking about it, that's always the first lens I'm going to talk about it through, same as you guys and same to anyone listening to this, you know. So particularly when it does come to like, because everyone will listen to other people to try and gauge your own opinion and your own your own you know, stance or your view on things, whether it be anything to do with Sorera or outside of it. And I would just say, particularly with Sorera, it's important to remember that ultimately what you do think of your own club and your own gallery is the most important thing. It's not what anyone else thinks about it, whether it's worth more or worth less, good, bad, or, you know, anything else in between uh, sort of thing. Because there's been times in this year where I've looked at my gallery, whether it be the valuation of it on Sorera data or even the makeup of it and like, oh, I've got too many supers, I've not got enough of this, or I've not got enough of that. And, um, you know, when, you know, the, the opinions, again, like if I'd spoke to other people and went, oh, what would you do with a gallery like mine? The advice I might have got might have been right good at the time, but maybe now I wouldn't be quite as chuffed about some of the stuff that's going on. And it kind of ties into what Chani was saying earlier. It sounds like what the episode of this podcast will be, what Chani said earlier. Um, but <laughs> um, if, I, if I just looked at gallery valuations, like I would have went through different points of the year and went, oh, no, but what I'm doing is totally wrong. And I would, uh, you know, thrown the baby out with the bathwater and who knows, individually what kind of situation I would be in for my own club and we're talking about FOMO and we're talking about all sorts of stuff but for me individually Jonathan Quinn Quinny one of the things I avoid in my life as much as I possibly can is regret you know and like I always regret you know I, I know what I'm going to regret and what I'm not going to regret regret whether it is taking risk or taking a chance or listening to advice or not listening to advice you know and I think I'm quite well tuned to knowing that I'm not going to wake up tomorrow and regret anything you know kind of idea and whether it is buying a card, selling a card, playing the game, not playing the game, whatever, like as long as you've got that, I don't think you'll go too far wrong. Yeah. Like I said it's like individual, isn't it? And it's like understanding like your own kind of uh, threshold for risk or, you know, or if you're in too deep, if you need the money, then probably sell it, sell your gallery and get out, right? Like if if you're playing this, if you if, it, if this is any at any point like scary or worrying, you probably shouldn't be playing at the level that you are and you can you can always have fun and engage with the product just literally like rolling out a limited team every weekend and not having any of that stress if you want um yeah that's 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 the thing really i think uh it's everyone's different isn't it and if you look at your gallery and you worry about it on a day-to-day -day basis you're probably overexposed and you should think about selling some of those cards and like kind of like alleviating some of that stress from your life definitely i also do think some of the downward pressure on prices is probably because this is one of the first kind of light moments we've had in a little while where the market does have a wee bit of lubrication, you know, and some cards are moving around. So people are just selling stuff because there's more people out there kind of happy to buy now. Like Super Rares in particular, I've sold three Super Rares for about 0.2-ish over the last like week and a half. And they would have been listed probably for much longer and not even getting offers on them now, you know. So when, you know, people can sell stuff because people are buying stuff. That's also something to think about, you know, as much as like, you know, and fair enough, maybe the prices that they're going for don't work for your gallery valuation because somebody's just sold for 5% under the floor. And if you do that over 10 cards, your gallery's maybe down 
eight percent on total or whatever. Um, but as I say, there is if somebody's selling something, it means somebody's also buying it, and that's that's the way the market rolls. That's it. That's it. So um, we're getting close to the end now. We um, we do have normal football resuming pretty soon. How excited are both of you for that? Oh, mate, I can't wait. I love it. I, I, I just want to see the Bundesliga come back. I want to see the Turkish League is coming back quite early, right? Mexican yep. League as well, I believe. We have plenty of them. And I just can't wait to put out a full team of five. And Championship has been great for that. So I bought a lot of Championship players way before the World Cup even started, knowing that when the World Cup is slowly coming towards its end, I'll have players ready to go. And I just want a tier one rare with a championship squad of four players. Right? Nice. And like, yeah, it's it's been great. It, the point total I needed for it was ridiculously low as well. <laughs> and I can just tell you, like, I got I had 276 points and came ninth. Like, it's beautiful. <laughs> it was perfect. And these are the weeks where where you can make a huge difference. Like people underestimate these low match filled weeks. And like oh, yeah. Harry Trades is the best at this. This guy, every time there's only like five games on, he has players in every team. <laughs> he just goes out and wins, gets like first place. The amount of times he's gotten podium in these types of weeks has been incredible. And him winning that Vini Jr. was just beautiful to watch. Like, saw that, yeah. I love when like long term planning works perfectly like that. And there are plenty of game weeks out there where this is going to be possible for so many people to go into. And with now all these leagues coming back slowly, you'll be able to pick and choose uh, a little bit more and uh, get them strong lineups out there where a lot of people are not able to compete. I mean, we have seen it during the World Cup, spe specifically with under-23s. Like, there are not that many players that actually play starting 11 football. Yeah. So if you already, if you just had players that started, you're basically in the rewards. <laughs> yeah. That's how it's been working. So I can't wait for all these all these to come come back and get going again. Quinny, I bet you can't wait for a bit of Celtic back oh, on the screen. <laughs> I can't wait. Definitely <laughs> <laughs> not building about three or four times. I actually done it a wee bit on the stream the other day there, just adding the goalkeeper in or whatever. But yeah, this festive period, man, I'll, I'll say it again for anyone listening to the podcast, maybe doesn't catch me live. But for me, this period from now to the end of January, for my club, it's all about card acquisition. I want to win as much out of these old divisions, like underdog and specialist. I want to pull mm. as many tier two and tier three supers, as many tier two and tier three rares as I can get my hands on between now and then that I can just throw them in the back with the rest of them, keep them yeah. going. So then when it changes, we've got we've got bullets locked and loaded, ready to fire off. What, what do you guys actually think about these remaining weeks with underdog and specialists? Do, do you think there might be an opportunity to go strong in there? Because a lot of people are going to be like letting players go and all those things. I'd say so. Yeah. It's good, good, good point. Definitely, could be. It could be a. It could be raining cards real soon on the podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> More end product for everyone. Exactly. And on on that note, uh, I think we've covered a lot of ground here today. Um, it's been great having you on, Chani. Thanks so much for uh, giving us your time, your afternoon. Thanks, guys. Been been a great experience. Love it. Yep. Uh, and if you don't follow Chani already on YouTube. It's got a lot of good YouTube content out there around so rare and around FIFA as well. And uh, yeah, give him give him a follow if you don't already. Chani, anywhere else that uh, people should be following you? No, all good. You mentioned all the things. <laughs> Great having you, Chani. Great seeing you, Stash. 
<laughs> and on that note yeah do give us a follow as well uh, retweet repost anything wherever you're listening to it do give us a share and uh, we'll be back next week with more M products big up everyone take care Thank you.